If you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. If there's one thing that's become very clear the last couple years uh, is the need for face-to-face dialogue. Not the type where people blow up at each other as they do on social media by arguing for their side of the argument. Many a Christian has destroyed the opportunities presented to them by getting into skirmishes that are frankly a waste of time. Instead of fighting for the integrity of Scripture and the souls of men, we find ourselves at odds with our neighbor because media told us it's their fault that our lives are as bad as they are. Unfortunately, all you've seen is a blame game that's happened the last couple years where people are blaming their neighbor for their own problems. Their own health is dependent on others when we don't exercise. You know, it's always someone else's fault that I don't have what I should have. The truth is we all have a bias, and that bias has especially been exposed the last couple years with the vile dialogue that we've seen by many in our society. Many not visiting family over political disagreement, fear of spreading the virus, to even simply not seeing eye to eye on any topic. Although scripture never says we ought to agree with anyone or everyone on everything, else we wouldn't stand for anything if we did that, it does say that we should be careful in showing partiality. Scripture is very clear on that. So we're going to be looking at defining, number one, defining partiality, number two, illustrating partiality, and number three, overcoming partiality. So number one, defining partiality. Well, if you're looking in Collins' English Dictionary, this is how it's defined in that dictionary. Favorable prejudice or bias. Favorable prejudice or bias. Or liking or fondness. If you were to take out your Strong's Concordance, it would define the word prosopolemsia or prosopolemtes, which would be the respect of persons. Respect of persons. Usage is partiality or favoritism, ultimately picking someone over someone else. The Holman Bible Dictionary states the following. Favor shown to one person over another, particularly on the basis of external factors such as economic level or ethnic backgrounds. Old Testament law contains frequent warnings to avoid partiality in rendering legal decisions. The theological grounding of this prohibition is God's character, for God shows no partiality. God's impartiality served as the basis for the early church's mission to the Gentiles. James warned that showing partiality, particularly that based on economic distinctions, is incompatible with profession of faith in Jesus as Lord and as sin. Ephesians 6, 9 warned slaveholders to be fair in treating their slaves. For God is impartial and thus not influenced by human distinctions between master and slave. Partiality is essentially having a bias to someone based on some quality that they possess which you prefer. Simply put. Number two, illustrating partiality. This is where we're going to open the Word of God. It is a sin believers still struggle with. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith, it's a sin that you probably still struggle with. Regardless of whether you'd like to admit it, regardless of whether you repented of it this last week, we still struggle with this. Most of us as a congregation still struggle with this. In fact, James chapter 2 
uh, the author writes specifically to a Christian gathering. And he says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts. Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. You see, James writes to Jewish believers dispersed outside of Israel who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ and are now a part of a community. But in that community, as with all communities, difficulties abound. They begin showing partiality to those who would benefit them most in their midst. A few quick points here in this text based on partiality that James points out. First of all, careful in practicing your faith with a bias. Verse 1, it's incompatible. If you've been given the gospel, your faith is not to be practiced with a bias. You should not be showing partiality. Looking down on certain people is not what's expected when someone's been given grace. If you've been forgiven, you ought to forgive. Careful in judging others by the outside in verse 2 through 4. See, the truth is so many have been fooled by smooth talkers that look good, but inside they are corrupt. What's terrifying is sometimes the ones we favor the most are the most dangerous to us. I'm sure you and I have had those fair-weather friends. When everything's great, oh, they're there encouraging us, everything's wonderful. As soon as things turn the wrong direction, they're nowhere to be found. Or even worse, they're kicking us when we're down. This is why partiality is a big problem even in the church today. Another thing we need to, to notice here in this text, the gospel shows us that God didn't care about your status in society when he chose to save you. That is why you should not be that way. God didn't care what your economic background was when he saved you. In fact, most people that are the most needy are the ones that Jesus affects more clearly. Because they see why the gospel matters. Your checking account wasn't the status that counted when it came to your saving faith. God wasn't looking at your balance at your bank and said, hey, based on this, I'm going I'm to offer you salvation. That was never part of the status that God cared for. 
And unfortunately for many in the church, that is one of the things that we care for. We care what that person's status is. Many we may favor also may be opposed to Christ, which makes it even more stunning. In verse 6, James points it out that the rich were the ones that were taking these people to court. They were the ones actually assaulting their faith. And yet when they came into the congregation, they were received well. Almost as if we want to be nice to them because we don't want anything to happen to us. It's amazing how many Christians favor people that mock their own Christian faith. They'll more readily team up with unbelievers that may benefit them over the believer who doesn't have much to offer them. I've seen this online so many times. There's a dialogue going on, and you see a, what you perceive a believer or brother knock another brother down right in front of unbelievers that they're disputing with, only to make the matter even worse. Being impartial starts with understanding how you yourself want to be loved. In verse 8, loving your neighbor as yourself is what James is talking about there. It's the very same commandment that Jesus gives us as well. That means looking out for their best interest as you would have yourself. It is keeping in mind how you yourself would want to be treated. Easier said than done. The way that you would want to be cared for, caring for others that way. And here's the bottom line, church. Showing partiality is sin. Look at verse 9. But if you show partiality, next three words, you commit sin. This isn't, oh, we're just a problem in the church. We make this mistake from time to time. It's a sin to show partiality. I don't think we understand the gravity of these things many times. Which is why the world is going as chaotic as it is. And the church is showing partiality. There's no exception to this. Consequences are still real if others do what is wrong and foolish. But you ought to not be biased in your judgment. If someone is in sin, you ought to treat them the same regardless of their status. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the fact that you may have certain things to deal with in a church. That always happens. The New Testament is filled with examples of having to use church discipline. What we're talking about is someone that you barely know you've prejudged. And you've assumed something about them without really knowing them. And you've made a statement in your mind that you really know what they are. You and I need to understand that if people like Peter and the early disciples struggled with a bias towards their own, we do as well. Look, this is uncomfortable because for many of us, we're, we're fine sharing certain things with people that we're comfortable with. As soon as a person comes from a different demographic, possibly, or a different cultural background, it becomes a little more difficult. We're not as comfortable. We put our guard up. 
You see, Peter was reluctant to minister to Gentiles, thinking that he was betraying his own by ministering to them. And I'm going to make a statement here. If anyone in this church reaches out to a community of people in Springfield that doesn't exactly make up the demographic that we have here in Sovereign Grace Church, good for you and do what God's called you to. And we have no right to judge people that are reaching others in the community. There should never be a bias in the church where, well, they're not our own. It's disgusting. And it's wrong and it's sinful. And unfortunately, it happens to many churches. We have a preference of the people we want in our church. Jesus came for the broken and he didn't care what ethnicity they were. The Savior of the world. Do we not say that during Christmas time? The fact that God decided not just to give it to the Jews, but to us as Gentiles should remind us we should show no partiality. He extended it to us. We're going to struggle with this, church. And I'm sure you and I have struggled with this. And with everything going on in the world, this is an area we need to start looking a little more deeper in our hearts over. Because here's the truth. We care too much about others' take. We care too much about others' take. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You know how many of us really care what other people think of us when we try to connect with someone else? Oh, what will my friends think if I actually try to reach out to this person? Don't they know this background that they have? Doing things because we are afraid of what others think entraps us. It shows that we have a bias, that we're partial, that we favor certain people. Now here are some ways to tell you may care a lot of what others think of you. First of all, you measure yourself against others as the standard. You don't have your own standard, you, you measure yourself against someone else's standard. This person thinks this is what we should do, so I'm going to agree with them. You care what people think. Here's another way. You care what the majority thinks about any topic. If the majority is jumping off the cliff, you're going to join them. Because that's the majority's position. You care too much what people think. Here's another way you, you really do care what people think. You don't raise the standard of people around you. You bow to theirs. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to follow the standard of Scripture, and I'm going to raise the bar even where it's uncomfortable or with people around me, I'm going to lower my standard to the standard of others. Here's a big one for church folk. Your approval matters more in the church than in the home. What do I mean by that? You care what people think of you here more than you think of family at home and what they think of you. Which shows that you prefer people outside your own home. And God's called you first to your home and being the example at home. Which is one of the qualifiers for an elder is that he leaves his home well. What's stunning is how many of us want to impress people in the church 
to the extent of hiding what we really are at home. We care too much about what people think. Here's another way. You try to be friends with both good and terrible people. There are people you should stay away from. Scripture does tell you that clearly. But because you don't have any distinction in your mind, here's why you favor certain things. You have those sinful buddies that you hang out with and the saints. So you feel like you have a good balance. Rather than being a good example in testimony and not showing partiality in the sense that you live an upright life, but you live the same life in front of both categories of people, those that are wicked and those that are good. Unfortunately, a lot of us like to swim between both. And we change the way we talk, do we not? We change the way we behave around certain people. Some of those adjustments are not sinful, but what ends up happening is sometimes we lose our testimony in spite of what we're trying to do. Here's another way that we can tell we care what others think of us. You find others as your excuse to not do something that you should. Let me explain this. Very clear. They don't care to invite people to their home, so I shouldn't care. They don't care to give, so I shouldn't care to give. So you really do care a lot more of what people think than you'd like to admit. Your standard isn't the word of God. Your standard is people around you. And as long as you're performing to that, that standard, you're going to be just fine, at least in your own mind. Which simply put, if we were to be very blatant about this, you favor the opinion of man over God. That's where your favoritism lies. And that's why you show partiality in areas that you shouldn't. And we go out of our way to condemn people that try to live upright lives because we show partiality internally. Here's another way that we care a lot more of what others think. This plays into our bias and, and, and favoritism towards others. Is you're very insulted when you don't get the praise you deserve. You want to talk about favoritism in the church? When certain people don't get the praise that they think they deserve, they get upset at people that did it. It isn't fair. It isn't right that they got praised and I didn't. Don't they know that I did more than they did? See, here's the thing. A lot of us care what other people think. But we also care too much about our own take. We care too much about our own take. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen to verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Listen, church, the bottom line here in this text is we should never be too good to help someone else that's struggling. 
There are so many in the church that think they're too good to go help somebody else out. And unfortunately, it's this confusion that many of us have over contamination. Well, I don't want to be contaminated by them, so I won't help them out. Well, let's, 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 let's park for a second and see what it says. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. That means you need to be walking faithfully yourself. Unfortunately for many in the church, not walking faithfully ourselves is the reason we never can help anybody else out. So we just use that excuse throughout life. Well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I haven't been called to this. What can I really do for them? Start by actually being prepared yourself. Start by walking faithfully yourself. Stop blaming others for not stepping up and you start stepping up. Stop blaming other fathers that don't lead well. Start leading well yourself. Stop looking at everyone else's marriage that isn't intact and start making sure yours is. Be that spiritual man that can help someone else out. Bear one another's burdens. And unfortunately, so many of us are in verse 3. We think too much of ourselves. We think we're something special. And the world would not be the same without us in a prideful manner. Those that think they're too good can very easily fall into the very sin they try to help someone else out with. Which is why you have to be careful. You can either ignore someone that needs help, or in attempting to help them, you're not ready to really help them because you're not aware of the temptations. Maturity is required. Essentially, some of us care too much about our own opinion. Some of us think that others really don't count, but what I think really matters. And let me tell you, based on Scripture, this is exactly where partiality falls, is in your own opinion. In fact, typically there are four areas when it comes to what people think of themselves. Number one, some of us care what everyone thinks of us. We literally are sucked into that. Number two, some of us don't care what anyone thinks of us. Only God cares, so I don't care what anybody thinks. Number three, some of us care what certain people think of us. We have a select few that we do care what they think. And number four, some of us care only what God thinks of us. Now that one's very rare. As much as people say that that's really their position, it's very rare. Because to a certain extent, in the grand scheme of things, only the third and fourth category can be correct. As long as people are concerned to follow what God's standard is regarding us. Meaning that you should care what people think if they're walking with God faithfully themselves. Because they should guide you in showing, hey, you know what, you've got a you're showing partiality here. I can't tell you how many times I've prejudged somebody only to hear from a mature brother or sister, hey, you know, you don't really know all the facts of what's going on there. You might want to step back. I don't think you know that situation as well as you do, as you think you do. And this is why it's important to make sure that we are consistent to what Scripture says. And we don't go off of what our feelings tell us or what we think we've heard 
or the first opinion that we've heard from someone else. So number three, we know that we are partial towards others. But how do we overcome this? Number three, overcoming partiality. Well, first of all, the gospel leaves no room for bias. Galatians 3, 27, 28 says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, church, there's something to be said of the gospel affecting us to the point that we understand the gospel leaves us no room for bias. We had a Savior who cared enough for us, and he didn't care what our background was. Jesus has united us sinners with different struggles and told us to stop picking who should be in if we've already accepted him. Because we've been accepted by him. Church, we need to care for people that can't give anything back in return. Let me ask you, this is exactly how the gospel affects us. What could you give back to God when he saved you? Your miserable, sinful self? Oh God, I'll do better. Your righteousness wasn't the currency he needed. It was sin. You couldn't give him anything. You had nothing to offer. I love what Jonathan Edwards says about this. You contribute nothing to your salvation except for the sin that made it necessary. Care only for those that give back and you're just like everyone else in the world. Church, we're no different if we give and care for those that only give us back. We're no different from everyone else in the world. If you and I only care for those that have a benefit to us, we've missed the point of the gospel. The truth is, we're behaving like everyone else in the world from the little selfish child who's been given everything they want growing up to the fully grown adult who cares only to use people for their own benefits, which is why they are prejudiced, and so are we if we follow. Another way that we can really overcome this is realizing that only God knows everything about others. Do you know that, church? Only God knows everything about others. You don't. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, Paul's speaking to this church, and he says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself. Yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Here's an important verse. 
Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. See, the truth is, so many of us show bias in what God probably thinks of others, but we don't know for sure. We assume we know what God thinks of that person. And here's the truth. We may be completely wrong. Be careful with prejudice or prejudging someone you don't know all the facts about. Isn't it amazing in light of God knowing more than we do that everyone talks about people that are toxic, not realizing that they themselves may be? Isn't it amazing that you you hear these statements mentioned all the time? Oh, you know, toxic people, they're horrible for you. Have you ever considered that you might be that person? Has that crossed our mind? That we may be the very person that we think others are? It's astounding that toxic people don't think they're toxic. And what we don't realize is that we could be the same thing. We aren't as healthy as we think spiritually, church, sometimes. We think we're pretty healthy, but in two seconds we'll crumble with a certain temptation. Well, we not. We're not as immune as we think we are to certain sins. We look down at others with pride as it's grabbed our hearts. What's essentially at the heart of prejudice is putting ourselves in the place of God in judgment of others. Look, we're not talking about the fact that there are certain things that happen in a church that need to be dealt with. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is the fact that we don't even know the facts of an individual, and we've already judged them guilty. Or we're partial against them. We don't want them around. They make me uncomfortable. With all the people that Jesus met throughout his life, you think everybody was wonderful to him? Was always benefiting him? Was always an encouragement to him? No, Jesus with tears in his eyes had compassion on people that hated him. That could care less of what he came to be and do. To be their sacrifice on a cross. If someone has sinned, it needs to be dealt with without partiality. That's the key. It doesn't mean we don't take care of sin. But it means that if we do have sin that we need to deal with in the church, we better not show partiality based on who the person is. Well, you know, this person served in the church for so many years, we're going to give them a favorable pass over this person that we've only gotten to know recently and they've committed the same exact sin. Yes, does a track record matter at times? Of course it does. But you need to be impartial as best as you can. Because if we're partial, we're not doing what Scripture says. You see, so many churches fail to realize that the moment they make it a point to show favoritism in how they deal with sin in the church, they are no longer doing what God has commanded. 
Church, every person should be dealt with the same way. Romans 12, verse 16 says this in the New Living Translation. Live in harmony with each other. This part is very convicting. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I don't think we really need to explain what this text is saying. I think it's crystal clear. Some of us are very picky over people we don't want to spend time with. And God is calling us to step out of that comfort zone and saying, look, stop showing partiality. We're not talking about people that may lead you into sin. I'm not talking about that here. What I'm saying here is sometimes you have a partiality towards people simply because you don't know them well enough. And the people that you know well enough, you're comfortable with, which is why you spend time with them only. We need to be very careful, church. We are not all-knowing. God is. So before we've even gotten to know people, it's important not to simply cut them off. And even if time has passed, and we haven't connected with them in a while, it's important not to assume we know everything that God has been doing in their lives. They may have had change that happened. I know so many people from my childhood I really wish would come back to the faith. And I don't know what God's doing in their life right now. I haven't talked to many of them in a while. But if they were to walk through these doors, how would I respond knowing that they had not walked into a church for many years? Church, we need to be careful here and not prejudge people and not assume based on something that happened 20 years ago that God could not have changed their heart. If God could rescue a murderer like Paul, he can work miracles. truth is we ascribe proper motives to ourselves but not to others we always think that we have the proper motives others don't protecting yourself from someone you've never really gotten to know is showing prejudice believer and the Holy Spirit is calling us out for it there are many people we know nothing about and we've already prejudged them Be careful that in your self-determined attempt to be more like Christ, you don't end up judging people more for the ways they haven't arrived like you have. There's one area that, man, it is a struggle for saints that have walked with Christ for a while, is when God pulls you out of certain sins, that you don't just exit or leave those sins behind, you start condemning people that are still struggling with those sins. So you have pride that just creeps up. And you don't even see it. And you think you're doing right by God. And you're still in a pit of sin. We're very good Pharisees many times. We know what to say. We know the lingo. We know the wonderful prayers to offer before God. And at times we condemn our brother or sister simply because we're no longer struggling with the sin they're still struggling with. That's showing prejudice. That's judging. That's being partial. So in conclusion, here's my question to all of us. Where are you partial? Where 
Are you partial? The truth is we all have areas of partiality when it comes to others. From interest to politics to economic class, family history, you name it. If we aren't careful and take heed of what Scripture says, we'll show partiality just like everyone else in the world. What others need to see is just because they aren't like us doesn't mean we don't love them. Look, it's very easy to love people that love you back. But I want you to remember the gospel every time you think of partiality. That before you were ever one of Christ, he loved you. The fact that he loved you before you ever loved him back should show you what you should be. And that partiality that we have destroys the gospel message. Just because they can't do anything for us doesn't mean that we don't have something that we can offer them. I believe with all my heart, church, that this is the key to breaking free of stagnation in the church. When we step out, our, out of our comfort zone, we start reaching people that frankly no one else gives a rip about. The poor, the broken, the isolated, the ones that have nothing to offer. Where we break away from the people that leave us comfortable to the ones that we always talk to and come alongside others that are hurting and broken. Break out of that comfort zone that we're in, church. Look, there are certain people you're just going to prefer spending time with. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't spend time with them. But you should stop showing partiality when there are other people around you that God does want you to reach. And he's saying, wait a second, I called you to more than that. I've called you to more than just being around those you're used to. The gospel is never meant to make us comfortable, church. If you thought that was what the gospel was, you missed the message. Remember the part that Jesus says to take up our cross daily and follow him? It's not comfortable. It's not supposed to be. Talk to that old friend that you haven't spoken to in years. Send a note telling that person who cut us off that we still love them. Tell them we have no reason to look down on them. We are sinners just as they are. And here's another step of humility. Go out of your way and possibly humble yourself enough to say, God's convicted me over this. Forgive me. You know how many people God has placed in our lives throughout the years that we just haven't even paid attention to? You've gotten to know many people over the years. And just because they've cut you off doesn't mean that you had to cut them off. Christ was offered to us as a sacrifice for our sins. He's everything we need. And he calls us to love others without partiality. In our desire to be like him and not showing partiality, it's important to remember what was given to us so freely that we ought to share with others. The gospel message calls you to share freely with others its message. And in turn, the gospel works in our hearts 
to where we no longer have a partiality towards others, but we try to do our best to treat people as Scripture would want in the image of God. With all their flaws. Truth is, partiality is an area of weakness in every one of our hearts. Let's close with these wise words from Spurgeon. Here's what Spurgeon says. Earnest intercession will be sure to bring love with it. I do not believe you can hate a man for whom you habitually pray. If you dislike any brother, Christian, pray for him doubly, not only for his sake, but for your own, that you may be cured of prejudice and saved from all unkind feeling.